time. There we go. Good to hear from me one more time. Uh, Brother Sean asked me to introduce our guest preacher today, uh, Brother Carl Garvin. He asked me, he said, do you and Brother Carl have any kind of history? And I said, yes, we have a lot of history. Uh, just, uh, just to give you a, a quick rundown, uh, when I was 10 years old, I was a member here at First Baptist Church Valley Springs, and Brother Carl was uh, the pastor here, and he was preaching the day that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Amen. He was the preacher who baptized me. And now, as an adult, uh, I get to serve with him on the Tetelestai House Board, mm -hmm. uh, the very important ministry mm -hmm. in our community. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just so great to get to reconnect with him as an adult. And, uh, you know, there's not anybody out there, I think, who wants to see more souls saved for Jesus than him. Mm -hmm. uh, so today he's going to come and speak to us a little bit about missions and some of the mission work that he has done. All righty. I guess it's my turn, right? Turn. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I don't displease you after that, uh, that welcome. Um, it is a great joy for Kay and I to be here today, to be invited. Let me get all this unfolded right here for when I get started, I won't have to stop. But uh, I want to briefly catch you up on where uh, Kay and I are in our ministry for the kingdom of God. As of this month, the second of this month, I resigned as pastor from Lakeland Baptist Church. I've been there 14 years. I tried to resign last year. They threw a hissy fit, would not let me. So uh, I stayed another year, but uh, this October I pulled the trigger and we retired. Well, we really didn't retire. We just refocused because uh, Kay and I are now members of the pastoral care team for the All Nations Mission Sending Agency, which is hubbed in Kansas City. But the good thing is, we do not have to move to Kansas City. We can do our pastoral care by Zooming. Cake and Zoom. I don't even know, I don't think I can spell it. But anyway, Zooming, but also because we still have the means to Zoom elsewhere, uh, they would like for us to travel across the United States with any missionaries needing some pastoral care or overseas, do some international pastoral care. So we'll see how all of that begins to unfold. Uh, but I want to move to a, a different subject now. I pastored First Baptist Church of Valley Springs for 17 years. Some of you have been trying to forget it. I know that for 17 years. Now, to my best recollection, and sometimes my recalling is not as good as it used to be, uh, other than giving a testimony here and preaching several funeral services, this is the first time in 17 years that I've stood before you to preach a message as I'm going to be preaching today. So uh, uh, if... if I missed a message in there I didn't preach to y'all, uh, then you can let me know. But I believe uh, it's been 17 years. And moving on to the message today, 
Brother Brandon said, you know, nobody likes to see more souls saved than possibly I. Uh, but this is not going to be one of those evangelistic messages. Uh, it's not going to be one of those calling to Jesus or accepting Jesus message. But I've learned that the Holy Spirit can use any message to open the eyes to a need of salvation, to open the ears to the Father's call to salvation, and open the heart to receive the only means of salvation, Jesus Christ. So this is not going to be an evangelistic message, but the Holy Spirit can speak to hearts today for their need of Jesus Christ. But this is going to be one of those edifying church edifying messages one that builds up the church and specifically building up the church by being obedient to Jesus's great commission that we find in Matthew chapter 28 beginning with verse 16 we'll read that shortly I think someone earlier today said that my 17 years absence here, I've got plenty of messages that I can reach in my desk and pull out. I assured him that I built this one just for you. I've preached this passage of Scripture many, many times, but uh, uh, the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let me go to uh, my dusty archives and pull out a message and preach. So uh, this, is, this is one that I've worked on during the week and the way I think the Lord wants us to deliver it. Let's read that passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 28. Begin re reading with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples. Now, you remember here, Judas is no longer in this group. He betrayed Jesus Christ. He's already committed suicide. We're already beyond the resurrection and nearing Jesus' 40 days, the end of the 40 days upon the earth. And you see the word disciple here. Also realize that every follower of Jesus Christ is a disciple. But Jesus handpicked 12 that he called apostles. So these 11 disciples are those 11 remaining apostles. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed unto them or for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority or all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you all for singing today. Father, we adore you. Son, we adore you. Holy Spirit. It, did I get that right? Okay, 
That because baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And then Matthew closes out Jesus' words there with a great big amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture. And I do pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit today to bring the truth out in clarity, understanding truth, Heavenly Father. And uh, we want you to be honored and glorified today. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I've entitled this message, Echoes from the Mountain. Because where we stand today and when this commission was first given that we call the Great Commission, which is really our mission, these words have echoed down through the ages, echoed from the mountain even to us today. Our text begins with the 11 disciples going to Galilee to that mountain that Jesus Christ had appointed for a special meeting. And we're told that when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. Now, pay attention to that. They worshiped him. Isn't that the correct response, Brandon, for anyone who stands in the presence of Jesus to fall down and worship him? But notice, some doubted. Now, who are the doubters? Who would be doubting that this is the resurrected, resurrected Savior standing before them? Certainly not the 11, because on Resurrection Sunday, 10 of those apostles had their doubts erased when Jesus Christ miraculously stands in their midst inviting them to touch him and see that he's not a ghost. And the remaining apostle, the one that we call Doubting Thomas, became Believing Thomas. Eight days after that event, he became Believing Thomas, making the greatest confession that anyone can make as he stood before the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and said, my Lord and my God. So certainly, it wasn't one of these 11 who doubted. Who then are the doubters? Who are those who doubted? that maybe this is Jesus on that day, on that mountain. Well, maybe the Apostle Paul gives us the answer to this question over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. There he tells us that over 500 brethren, some translations say, 
Christian brethren saw Jesus simultaneously, saw him at the same time, over 500. Now, if you remember Jesus Christ multiplying the fish and the bread, we're told that 5,000 men were there. But then they tell us that their wives and their children were there too. And some suggest there was as many as 24,000 people gathered to share in that meal. Well, if these are 500 brethren and some of them bring their wives and their young'uns with them, then uh, that was a large crowd that could have been gathered on that mountain that day. Remember, Jesus' greatest ministry was where? In Galilee. Where did Jesus' greatest number of followers come from? Galilee. So it's reasonable that this was not a clandestine meeting with just Jesus and the 11. Others also met him there. Over 500 brothers. This is, makes the ideal place for 500 plus brethren to see him at one time. Is it not so? So many of these would have never seen the resurrected Savior. Some doubted, probably out of that great crowd, is where we see some who are doubting. But notice, Jesus Christ does not chastise the doubters, does he? He just opens up and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. May I tell you that there is no authority in heaven and no authority on earth that trumps Jesus' authority. And with that authority, Jesus Christ issues the great commission, which is our mission as his disciples. Let us look afresh today at these echoes from the mountain. Jesus' great commission, which has become our mission. He starts out with go. Now, those of you who have studied the Bible know that that's a participle. Where's Bill Harness? <laughs> oh, there you are. It's a as you are going. It's understood that Jesus just thought that his disciples would be going. Not just become his disciples and sit, but be going disciples. It's understood that everyone who follows Jesus Christ will not be growing moss, but be moving. We'll be going and going to make disciples. That's the purpose of the going, going to make disciples. And then we have the scope of the going to make disciples. And that is to all nations. Now, oftentimes in our Western mind, we think of all nations as being geopolitical boundaries like America, Russia, Africa. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. All nations is ponte ta ethne, which means all people. 
So the church's great commission is to go here and there and to the uttermost, going to all unreached people, groups of the world until Jesus Christ comes again. Therefore, Jesus' commission and our mission has no end to it until Jesus comes again. So we're to be going. We're to be making followers of Jesus Christ to all nations or to all peoples. And then we are to be baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, in the book of Acts, we are to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus here is giving in this great commission a triune command here. A triune formula. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have you ever really took time to think about what that means? Jesus thinks it's very important to put it this way. When we're baptized in the name of the Father, we're baptized into a new family. We have a new family identity. God is now more than just creator. He is our Father. Jesus Christ teaches us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven. We have a new identity when we're baptized in the name of the Father. Consider how wonderful it is to be able to call God Father. Kay and I served as missionaries in a land where people had a host of gods. And they thought that they needed to appease every one of these gods or those gods would become hostile. And if they didn't please those gods, those gods were going to rain fire and brimstone or something else down upon them. They lived in fear. But think how comforting it is to know that we're baptized in the name of the one and true God who has a father's heart and we can call him our father and even affectionately Abba Father, Daddy Father. Baptized in the name of the Father. A new family identity. And then we're baptized in the name of the Son. This means that we're joined with the Son in His death and in His resurrection 
to walk in the newness of life, baptized in all that his name declares him to be. Baptized disciples are to know and embody the ways of Jesus Christ. And then we're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. Here is where we get our power, Sister Judy. Power to overcome sin. Power to live the Christian life. Acts chapter 1-8, power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Baptized in the name of the Father, new family identity. Baptized in the name of the Son, identifying with Jesus in death and burial and to walk in the newness of life and baptized in the Holy Spirit, power over sin, power to live the Christian life, power to witness for Jesus Christ. May we never, never, never take baptism lightly. Oh, baptism is not that which saves us. But baptism is very important. It identifies us with a new family. Join with Jesus the power to carry out the ministry. The Uyghurs, and I, I think I have that correct in China, to show you the importance of baptism, how crucial it really is, and, and often how costly it may be. This group in China, when they get ready to baptize, it's not found in Scripture as a requirement for baptism, but for them they require that every baptismal candidate write a will. And in that will they have to state who is going to care for their children because being baptized is almost a certain death sentence for them. Never, never take baptism lightly. And then Jesus continues teaching them to observe all things to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, observe doesn't mean you just sit back and look at it. Observe means to obey. Teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. Has anyone ever counted all the commands in the New Testament? I haven't either. <laughs> but I've been told but some very, very wise people that there's 684 New Testament commands. Now, how are we going to obey all of those if we don't just sit down and memorize them all? Well, we can break those down into seven general commands. Are you all ready for this? Can you remember seven? If not, I'll teach you a little thing to help remember those. Number one, repent, believe, 
and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when you receive the Holy Spirit, that means, yes, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit, but that means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you're empty and you go and you stick a nozzle in your mouth until you fill it with the Holy Spirit. That means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So repent, believe, and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Number two, be baptized. Number three, break bread. That means fellowshipping with one another and observing the Lord's Supper. Number four, love. Love God. Love your neighbor. And if you don't know who your neighbor is, turn over to Luke chapter 10 and read the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, your neighbor is way out there. And then love your fellow brothers. Fellow brothers. I still can't talk right, Brother Jerry. But... uh, And then last, love your enemies. Now, if you have trouble remembering that, uh, just remember what I'm doing here. Repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit. Y'all got that one? Be baptized. Break bread. Love God. Your neighbor, your fellow Christians, and even your enemies. Pray in the name of Jesus. Give generously. I left that one out, didn't I? Give generously and go and make disciples. So that's the seven of them. Repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit. Be baptized. Break bread. Love God, your neighbor, your fellow Christians, and even your enemies. Pray in the name of Jesus. Give generously. I like that one. Give generously and go and make disciples. If you follow those seven general commands, then you pretty much have followed the 684 New Testament commands. Teaching them to observe is essential. We just don't go. We just don't make disciples. We just don't baptize disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We teach them to observe, to obey the commandments of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we as a church like to open the front doors big and wide, invite everyone in, and we follow everything except the discipling end of it teaching them to observe. And when we don't do that, the back door is just as big as the front door because they soon trickle out, teaching them to observe. I want you to notice how Jesus Christ closes his discourse that we call the Sermon on the Mount. This discourse covers Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he closes it this way in chapter 7, verse 24 and following. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock 
But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Notice, there are two men here. One wise, one foolish. Both heard Jesus' sayings. Both built. Both were faced with life's descending rains, rising floods, blowing and beating winds. But only the wise man's house stood because he built on the rock. Now what is the rock? Y'all saying earlier the rock was Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is not speaking of himself here. What is he speaking of? What is the rock that Jesus Christ says that the wise men built upon? It was his sayings, his commands. Jesus is saying, if you build upon my commands, your house will stand regardless of storms of life. It's important, is it not, for us to teach new disciples that we're making to observe, to obey Jesus' commands. Jesus Christ, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, speaks of his being the vine and we being the branches. And in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. How do we abide in the love of Jesus Christ? By keeping his commandments. For all you Old Testament studiers, Daniel's prayer for his nation in Daniel chapter 9 was, O Lord, great and awesome God, who's, who keeps his covenant and his mercy with those who love him and with those who obey his commandments. It's important, is it not, that we obey his commandments. Listen again to the echoes from the mountains. Echoes that have become or that are our mission. Go. It's understood that that's what we'll be doing. Make disciples of all nations. That's going to the uttermost. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, new family identity, the Son, join with Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, walk in the newness of life, and the Holy Spirit, power over sin, power to live the Christian life, power to witness for Jesus Christ, and teaching, teaching them to obey 
all of Jesus' commands. So when the storms of life come, their house will stand and not be washed away. Look again at that mountain. There's Jesus. Standing before him are the 11. Just beyond the 11, there's the over 500 brethren. And just behind them are all those who have ever and all of those who will ever and all of us in here today that are disciples of Jesus Christ. This is our mission to carry out the great commission that Jesus gave in great authority. Now let me leave you with this thought. Jesus people talk about Jesus all the time because that's what Jesus people do. So Jesus people, get out there and talk about Jesus all the time and when you do that, you'll be carrying out the Great Commission. May God bless you and let us stand. Who does the invitation here? Do you stand here? Do I stand here? I stand here. Okay. I am here. But listen, this is an invitation, and we call it the invitation because maybe during this message you did hear God call your name. Your eyes were open to the way of salvation. And your heart open to receive Jesus. Or maybe you're just here and say, you know, I hadn't been very good in this great commission business. I'm a Jesus people, but I just hadn't been talking Jesus up very much. And you just need to come and don't tell me about it. You maybe just need to kneel here and pray. And perhaps through the day's message, the Holy Spirit has just stirred your heart to respond for his glory.